Welcome to the Drive Deeper Podcast, where we gather together on your morning commute to dive deeper into the scripture and give you a word to meditate on the rest of the day so that you can walk closely with the Lord during your busy week. All right, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Today in our devotion, we are going to be in Jeremiah chapter 11. And so some of the same themes that we've been seeing thus far in the book of Jeremiah come up in this chapter. The Lord is confronting his people for breaking his covenant. He says, after I gave you my law, after redeeming you and I made covenant with you, I told you to listen to my voice and do all that I commanded you and you shall be my people and I shall be your God. And yet over and over and over again, Israel has disobeyed him. And there has been progress by some individuals and some generations who have, who have turned away from the pattern of disobedience. But overall, the trajectory of Israel's history has been downward. And so the focus of our study this morning is in verse 10, which says this, They have turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my word. So in this passage, we see the concept of generational sin. Sin that is passed on from generations before. Sin that is repeated, that is learned, that is not turned away from, or is turned away from for a season and then turned back to. This should not surprise us that generational sin is a real problem that we have to deal with today and work through. You think about the people that you learn the most from, especially in your younger years. It's your parents, it's your grandparents who you're surrounded by. And whether you know it or not, you are learning from their example. They're the example you follow after. And nobody's perfect. So this is not to to blame shift to say, well, you know, if my aunt who raised me was, was a better guardian and a better leader and she set a better example, then I wouldn't be the way that I am today. Okay. There's some truth in that you've learned an example from the person that raised you. And it would have been better had they themselves turned from that sin so you had a good example of obedience and faithfulness to follow after. But the burden of responsibility for the sin that remains in your life today rests upon your shoulders. And so if there's the presence of generational sin in your life, you're the one being called to turn from it because you've been walking in it. And you have to take responsibility and ownership for the decisions you have been making to walk in disobedience and to turn away from them. I think this is why a couple things are really important. You know, self-awareness is something that I feel like I struggled with until just just a few years ago. 
in part of this, part of the key that unlocked that was looking at my family of origin. So it's hard if we don't look backwards at what are some of the patterns of disobedience that we may have picked up to, to see what's in our lives. Because often we, we kind of have blind spots to our areas of struggle, uh, but often it's easier to see in other people. So in looking back, it's helpful to understand where we are at right now so that we can turn from those patterns ourselves. Again, we're not blame shifting here, but we learn from those who are in our family and and we have to learn to turn from those things now. You know, and just for a second, I want to talk about the seriousness of generational sin based on the impact that it has on the generations to come. One of the the clearest examples of this is how the favoritism of Abraham has an impact on his great-grandson, Joseph. Now, we know that the Lord has used these things for good because it was Joseph who, by his brother sending him into Egypt, saves both his family line and the world from this famine. The Lord had plans in all of this. And yet it was it was Abraham's seed of favoritism that was planted in his family line and not dealt with that caused this to happen. So let's trace that back. Abraham goes most of his life unable to have a child. Then he has Ishmael and he is ecstatic. He thinks this is the child of promise the Lord has given him, but he learns shortly after Ishmael's birth that no, Ishmael is not the child of promise. It's Isaac. And you can see his relationship with Ishmael change after the birth of Isaac. Isaac, as the child of promise, is favored, is prioritized. And you might even say, well, of course, he's the child of promise. You know, of course, Abraham is going to love him more. And yet, how does this impact his son who receives the favoritism and learns this is normal, this is acceptable. Well, we see the favoritism of Isaac towards his son Esau. And so too, Rebekah's favoritism towards her son Jacob. So the generational sin is not broken. Another chain link is added from Abraham to Isaac. And then the same favoritism is picked up by Jacob. So we know that Jacob has 12 sons, uh, but when we're reading the account of Joseph, it's Joseph and the 10 others because Benjamin has not been born yet. But Jacob loves Joseph more than all the others because he is the only son that has been born from the wife that he loved the most, which was Rachel. So we know the story of, of Jacob and, and how he desired to marry Rachel, and he works seven years for her, but Laban deceives him, and he gives him Leah instead, and he has to work another seven years, and then he receives Rachel as his wife. 
and Leah is able to bear children and, and it breaks Rachel's heart because she can't bear children. So, so she gives her, her maid, her, her female servant to her husband so that, so that he can have children through her, even though it's not her body. And Leah gives her female servant as well. So he's got these children coming from these other women, but the one that he loves the most he has no child through until Joseph. So he favors him. He loves him more than everybody else. And we see this favoritism have an impact on the 10 brothers. They hate Joseph to such an extent that they can't even speak to him with peace. Bitterness has built up in their hearts and is overflowing to the point that in Genesis 37, they're contemplating killing him. We know that they don't end up killing him. They throw him in a pit and they fake his death to his father and sell him to the Ishmaelites to go down into Egypt as a slave. So what would have happened if Abraham or Isaac or Jacob had dealt with this favoritism that they learned from their forefathers that Isaac learned from Abraham, that Jacob learned from Isaac, what would have happened if they broke that chain link rather than continuing to add on to it? Our sin, if not repented of, has the capacity to ravage our family line for generations to come. This is a scary thing. You know, sin is deceptive. And it can make us think that it doesn't have any impact on anybody. Sometimes we don't even think it has an impact on ourselves, but often we can see the negative impact it has on our lives. Or, you know, if you're married, maybe on your spouse, or if you're not, on your close friends. And when you're selfish, this happens. But do we think about the long-term impact of our sin? You know, things that I think I learned from my biological father, he, he was an angry person. He would have fits of rage. He was very sharp with his tongue. And so these are things that I've seen in myself that since I've become a believer, the Lord has been refining and purifying so that I'm not like that. But in looking backwards and seeing it clearly in him i've seen it more clearly in myself even when it doesn't come out of my lips or it's not displayed in my actions and so these are things that i've been working on because i know they're present and i don't want to return to i don't want to turn back to the sins of my forefathers i'm not sure what these areas are in your life but you know, I, I would call each of us to, to take action, you know, in the first part that, and the first step to this is becoming self-aware. A good way to, is to start by making a family tree. What are, what are some of the tendencies of your parents, of your grandparents, of your aunts and uncles, and, and those who have had an impact on your life that you have learned from and are therefore prone to imitate their behaviors because you've learned them, because you've picked them up. Have these behaviors continued in you? Maybe get somebody who's close to you to 
to have an honest conversation with you because often others can see our sin much clearer than we can. Sin is deceptive. It likes to hide in the dark. It doesn't like to be exposed and brought to the light. So sin is going to fight against that exposure within us. So call in a trusted brother, sister, spouse to come alongside and to help you to, to really see this. Cut these areas of sin out of your life. Don't let them go on any longer. Don't let this sin be something that you treasure so much that you're willing to let it impact your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Take the initiative and be the one to break the chain. Why place the burden of responsibility upon the next generation to break the habit of sin that is in your life? Be the one to take action and to turn from the sins of your forefathers so that your children, your grandchildren are not the ones returning to it because they've learned it. Be the one whose example is a pattern of faithfulness and obedience that they can look up to and learn and follow after. You know, nobody knows us better than the Lord. Our friends, our family, those who are closest with in our lives can see us in a way often we can't see ourselves. But the Lord has knowledge far beyond that. Our closest brothers and sisters, our spouse, our, our best friend cannot see the motives and intentions in our hearts. They can't read our mind. But the Lord has greater knowledge of all those things than even we do. So maybe look through Psalm 139 today. David writes this whole psalm in asking the Lord who has infinite knowledge of him, is ever-present to reveal any unseen sin in his life so that he can turn from it and turn to the everlasting way. I pray that you would take this seriously, that you would take the time to reflect on areas of sin in your life that you've learned from generations past and that you would turn from it so that your life would not be characterized by what we read in Jeremiah, that the people of Israel have turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear God's word. But instead, we would be characterized by turning from the iniquities of our forefathers, hearing the word of the Lord, and walking in obedience for his glory and for the good of the generations to come in each of our family lines.